everything that that um, that I feel in my heart as your pastor to speak about. I'm not trying to change your personality. I think sometimes we look at God that way, like, oh man, he's just trying to change me. He's trying to change you in certain aspects, but he's not trying to change who he has created you to be. He's changing, he wants to transform the things that you have attached yourself to. The things that you have said, God, uh, I, I want to attach myself to these things. And he goes, is that really the best place to attach yourself? The identity, you know, oh, well, I want to, you know, and, and, I, and I think of social media because it is so prevalent in our world and it's not going to go away. It's never going to go away. But I think it's how we navigate because we like to put out there and, I, and, I, and I, I, it frustrates me to death that very few people ever put like real life on, uh, on social media because that, that would be scary, you know? The, the, going through the worst week of your life, you, you probably don't post to Instagram and Facebook and TikTok and Snapchat and the bajillion other places that you can because you don't want people to see you in your mess. You want to wait till everything is packaged pretty together and, and, and looks like you have it all together. I mean, listen, if you don't believe me, go to any one of your social media platforms after church and look and try and just try to point out the messy pictures of your life or the messy posts of your life. You probably won't find as many as you think. Because we don't want to share that. We want to share the, the good parts or the funny parts or, or the memes, right? Because that's, that's really what social media has boiled down to, is memes. We have boiled our life down to pictures. We've become cavemen again. We've become, that, this just came to me. Think about it, cavemen, they, they drew art on, on walls, right? We have literally become techno, technological cavemen. If I want somebody to know something, meme it. Throw a picture up there. We, we, we have the art of conversation, the art of life together is so lost that if you stick people in a room, what's the first thing they go for nowadays? My comfort zone. I don't have to talk to anybody. If I look busy, go away. I don't see you. Because we're afraid, what if I say something stupid or do something stupid? Or what if I don't have anything to say at all? Oh, how do I enter? Listen. Hello. You have now entered into every conversation you ever need to. If you can say hello, you can get the ball rolling. Here's another tip that I'll give you just from uh, my years uh, dealing with people for over 20-something years. Ask them about themselves. People love to talk. Even the most introverted person will talk about themselves because it's who they know the best. What's your favorite color? What do you like to eat? What's your favorite movie? Do you, do you like sports? If so, what sports do you like? Very, listen, don't ask yes or no questions. Ask questions that people have to respond to. And here's the thing. If they're not narcissistic, they're going to ask the same questions in return. <laughs> they're not egotistical like, oh, yeah, everybody wants to know about me. They're going to ask the same questions. Well, you know, I don't know. What's your favorite color? Where do you like to go out to eat? All of a sudden, you start to know. Maybe it's like nine out of ten questions are the same, and you're like, we're the same person. We share the same brain. I found a BFF. Anyways, this is just a tangent. Because Jesus comes to transform us, and, and that's the thing. And the reason why that's so important is because we will try to do it in isolation. God says you can't do it in isolation. You've got to do it with people. You can build an identity without people, but you cannot transform your life without them. 
And so the problem is, is that we, we, we do life and then we, we have ups and downs, we have bad weeks and good weeks, and then we get caught in these distractions. Here's some interesting statistics for you. 65% of parents, ages 25 to 34, I don't fit in that age anymore. Oh, I need ice cream. Um, they believe they check their phone too much. 56% of kids agree. of parents say they don't set a good example with mobile device usage. 22% of kids agree. 45% of parents get distracted while having a conversation with their kids. Squirrel. Or the ding. We have a rule in our house that when we're eating dinner, phones get put away. Um, Because, no, no, listen, your world could be burning down and this may lose people in the church, you're not as important as my kids. You're not. I love you to death. I love this church to death. But I had to come to a realization that I could lose my family over loving people, and that's not, a, that's not worth it. And so I've had to learn the balance because this thing, like, goes everywhere with me. And I've had to learn, like, on vacations and when I'm with my family, like, no. Unless you call me maybe two or three times in a row, maybe text me, like, 911, like, there's a lot of times that I've had to learn, like, I'm not going to. I'm not going to sacrifice. 39% of kids agree. 47% of kids say they would, they would confiscate their parents' mobile device if they could. I know my kids would. But sometimes that's out of spite because we take their stuff away too. You know, we ground them. Well, why can't I ground you from your phone? Because I paid a bill. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Sometimes it's just not fair, teenagers, and that's just the way it is, okay? If you don't pay the bill, you don't get to make the rules, okay? Uh, 53% of parents believe they check their phone too much. 65% within the 25 to 34 age group agrees. 47% of parents believe their children spend more time on their mobile device than with them. But where do they learn it from? From a world around them that is filled with distractions and space fillers that do not benefit or purpose our life. We need constant change to focus. Um, if you know anything about uh, cinematography, film, any of that, it, go home and watch TV. Maybe you've never noticed it, and I'm gonna ruin your whole way of watching TV because you're gonna be like, oh, this is annoying now. So it used to be, and I don't know if, the, if the, the, the number has changed, but it used to be about every seven to 10 seconds on a normal adult TV show, there will be a transition. Moving of the camera, uh, change of scenery, uh, the, an angle that the camera is done, seven to 10 seconds. On kids' shows, it's about every three to five seconds. And then we wonder why we have age groups, and, and, and some studies are saying, well, this isn't true. I, bull, I call bull. Because when your kid is in front of a TV screen on an average day, six plus hours statistically, and their world is one, two, three, four, five, change, one, two, three, four, five, change. Their whole world is used to change, 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 change. And then we say, sit down and focus. But how can I? Because the culture, the, the, the media, the things that I have spent most of my day doing, video games, TV, entertainment, has shown me that it's gotta be fast-paced and changing. 
I'm not a doctor, so what I'm about to say, don't take it for nothing but a grain of salt, but I think we have less ADD kids and more trained media kids than anything. The easiest thing to do is we're trying to rewire their brains with medicine, and I'm not against medicine, and I'm not against people that need things to focus, but what I am saying is, could it possibly be that we have more kids that can't focus because we have more people my age that have trained them that way? Maybe. We have set the future generations up for distraction after distraction after distraction. To distract is to cause one to have difficulty paying attention to something. To attract away, I love this definition of, of, of to distract. To attract away from its original focus. So I gotta focus. And to distract is to take it away from the original focus. It is from the Latin word distrera. I know I messed that word up. I don't speak Latin. But that word means to draw away or to draw apart. See, this is what happens in life is that we, I want to do better. I want to, every January 1st, <laughs> I want to get in shape. I want to eat healthier. I want to do this. We all set our goals. What happens? It's not necessarily that you're lazy. Some of it may be that. And that's not me calling that's us being lazy. How about that? Okay. But it's also that we allow our focus to shift from the thing that we want so badly to go, maybe I don't. We allow other voices and other things to attach to our life and we go, well, what was I doing here? What was I focusing on? What was my purpose? What was my goal? So what's the scripture in Psalm that we're going to focus on and, and, and gather this from? Is this, Psalms 25, verse 8. Now, I'm going to read from the message translation, so if you got your Bible in front of you and it doesn't sound like anything that I'm about to read, I'm sorry, just look at the screen, okay? It says this, God is fair and just. Amen. He corrects the misdirected and sends them in the right direction. I mean, you can't get any plainer than that. God is fair and just. He corrects the misdirected and sends them in the right direction. So I got a couple of thoughts for you this morning. And the first one is this, and literally they all kind of line up and come from this, this uh, scripture. And the first one is this, God is fair and just. And if we cannot start there, then everything else I say afterwards is not going to have a good foundation. And we could ask the, the unanswerable questions, well, why do bad things happen to good people? Because we live in a sinful world. That's it. There's no rhyme or reason why good, good people have bad things happen or why bad people succeed. It's because we live in a sinful world and, and, and a sinful world, apart from God, has all the different avenues of life. And we have the option and the capability of following Jesus or we have the option and the capability of doing our own thing or following the enemy. But God is fair and just. He is the standard that drives our faith walk. God's fairness and justness, 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 drives us towards his love, his heart, his purpose, his passion, and his presence. His justness, his fairness, isn't just for him to be like, oh, look at me, I'm God. It is to literally say, I want to grab your heart and I want to draw you in. It's, it's the last song we sang. I don't need God's hand to move in my life all the time. If he did nothing else for me, 
this day forward, I would love him and serve him with everything I've got. Because he's promised me an eternal life with him and he's done so stinking much in my life that if he said, Scott, I'm done, I love you still, but I have blessed you beyond measure and now you're just gonna live your life? Okay, God, you have been more than fair to me. But it draws us to him. God is fair and just. He's loving and kind. He's gracious and merciful. And because of that, I want to live for him and follow him in my life. And I've said this before. I don't do things out of fear for God. I do things out of love. I don't, I don't, I don't do all the, the right things because I'm afraid that God will one day take me. Like, <laughs> I know people in my life that have said that, well, you know, some point it's probably due that he's going to just do something bad to me because I've been an idiot at times. That's not fair. That's not God. God doesn't do that. God's not like, well, you know, Blake, you won too many times, you dummy. Here we go. I'm just going to have to smack you across the face. No. He's fair and he's just and he's loving and kind and gracious and merciful. Just means that he's going to have to, there are times where he, we have consequences. Like, God is not like... Con- I think it's interesting, and maybe it's because I'm a parent, is that your idea of fair as a child, (laughs) far different than when you're a parent. As a child, you're like, oh, but you should be loving and kind and graceful, Dad. Love me. Care for me. Correct me when I'm wrong in a gentle, handful way. (laughs) Parents, like, listen... (laughs) I love you, therefore I'm going to whoop you. Because <laughs> I, I was just having this conversation. Not, not, we don't whoop our kids anymore because at this point, if, listen, if, they, if, if I can't correct them by like, you know, robbing them of their life, then oh well. You know, their cell phone, their, you know, technology and everything else. Like you're going to sit in a room and you're going to be bored. Guess what? You're going to have to talk to me. <gasps> no! You thought that I told them that I was going to make them like, I don't know, Go pick up dog poop for eternity and talk with me. <laughs> Don't take my phone. But the idea of just is far different when you see it from a father's perspective or a mother's perspective. To know that, that just is, I want my kid to be grown up when they leave my house. That I have, I, I have guided and leaded them in a way that I can go, well, I have done everything that I possibly can. If they screw up, that's on them. <laughs> that, that, that I have poured everything I can. And this is God's heart. This is where God is. He's like, listen, I want to do everything I can to pour my heart into you. That you will have all the capabilities to live your life according to my riches and glory and my word that you will choose the right thing. God is fair. My focus becomes Jesus and there lies the challenge of our enemy. If my focus is God, then the distraction is to get me off of the focus, the thing I'm focused on. Which brings me to my second thought. If God is fair and just, if the enemy can't get you to sin, he'll get you distracted. If he can't get you to sin, he'll get you distracted. A lot of times, listen, I'm not one of those guys that's like looking for the devil underneath every rock. Ooh, that's Satan. You know those believers. You know who I'm talking about. Stub my toe, devil's after me today. What? How does the devil care if your toe is stubbed? I mean, what did you do? Like, 
How, how bad was that toe that it completely whacked your faith? <laughs> I don't think the devil cares if your toe got stubbed. I honestly don't care. I don't think the devil really cares if you got in an accident today. The devil is like, like I, and, and this is where, for me, the whole whackness of, of, of our faith walk gets is we're literally blaming the devil for things that are just natural. Like, my dog ran away. Oh, Satan's really after me. <laughs> maybe you're just not a good pet owner. Like, <laughs> maybe your dog's like, help, get me out of here. You're blaming it on Satan. You're like, well, unless you, listen, unless your dog's name is Satan, don't blame Satan. Satan did it. You, is your dog named Satan? If it's not, then the devil didn't do it. The devil made me do it. The devil made you do what? Eat the whole pound of, of bluebell ice cream? Listen, it sounds good when I can blame the devil for that kind of stuff. <laughs> and that was my gluttony that did that. See, we're out looking for the devil, but here's the thing. You'll know when the devil's after you. He's gonna, the devil's not like, oh, I'm gonna try to guess if it's me. He's gonna let you know. Because when all hell breaks loose, you're gonna know, mm, this is spiritual. But, but it's not like, oh, my makeup's not right. Satan's really after me. Once again, Satan could care less what kind of makeup you're wearing. Maybe you do. Maybe it's easier to blame the devil than you. But I listen, maybe you just had a bad makeup day. You forgot how to put it on. I don't know. I'm a guy. I don't ever have to worry about that stuff. But we, 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 we try to blame the devil for things that, that he's like, well, he, he's probably like, really? Like, why are you blaming me? There's enough I'm doing. I'm not doing that. But the, if the enemy can't get you to sin, he's going to get you distracted. John 10, 10, the thief's purpose. This is his job. His purpose is to steal, to kill, and to destroy. That's it. John 10, 10, still kill, destroy. So listen, if you cannot articulate in your life that the enemy has done any of that, it's not the devil, okay? The enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Jesus says this, my purpose is to give you life. It's to give them a rich and satisfying life. That is God's purpose in us, is to build in us such a faith that gives us a rich and satisfying life. The enemy's job, steal, kill, and destroy. So it's not really necessarily just sinning. I think sometimes we go, oh, well, you know, I'm not, pastor, I'm doing pretty good. I'm not, I'm not sinning. Well, define sin for me, like, you're not murdering? That's awesome. <laughs> I mean, good job. Gold stars for you guys. Well, I'm not doing drugs. Cheating on my significant other. I'm not doing this. I'm not. Do but if you read through the New Testament, there are some, I'm pretty sure, some sins we're all doing. I'm just going to, you know, any, anybody lied this week? Sinner. Gossip this week? Sinner. You know that the Bible actually says, and this is what I think is hilarious, because we go to things like murder, alcoholics, uh, drug users, um, like, you know, big sins, right, um, that, 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 we, that we have labeled big sins. The Bible labels a whole bunch of other things in with all those, liar, uh, liars, fornicators, gossipers, it says all of them have a place um, away from God in eternal damnation if you don't choose to follow Jesus. So these aren't my rules, by the way. If you're mad at somebody, get mad at God and go talk to him, okay? I'm just a messenger. But here's the thing, is that we can get so distracted of not sinning that we're also not living. 
can't sin, can't sin, can't sin. Oh, no, 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 no. How about you focus on, I'm going to live. When I was 21 years old, I was so focused on preaching, not sinning, preaching, not sinning, preaching, not sinning, living, not sinning. And one day I'm driving back to my office at my church and God's like, how about you focus on loving me? And I'm like, God, that's a great idea. Because when you naturally love God, the focus is that. And so when I'm focused on loving God and living for him, the distraction becomes anything that gets me off of that. The book of James messed me up because it says to know to do good and not to do it is to sin. <laughs> Next time you like, oh, here's a, I know what to do. I don't want to do it. Just remember, it may not be sin for everybody else, but at that moment, it's bad for you. To know to do good and not to do it is sin. And so the enemy's job is to distract us, to, to steal and kill and destroy in our life. Can I tell you this? Sunday can either be divine or it can be a distraction but only you can choose. You can come here with the intent of checking something off of your list, going to church, or you can say, God, every Sunday I gather with my people, I'm ready to lean into your will and lean into your word and get something from it that would change and shape my life. Listen, I don't care what path, you could have the driest 99 and a half year old man up here. If he's preaching the word of God, you're gonna get something from it. So personality and, and preference is one thing. We all have that. There are pastors that I like to listen to and other ones I don't. But, but you can't sit there and say, if they're preaching the word of God, you can't say, well, I didn't get anything out of that because you weren't listening. It's because you allowed your brain to distract you from the word of God. Too many times we allow busyness to get in the way of our purpose. You don't understand. See, I'm, I'm busy over here. I'm busy doing things. I'm busy doing things. My life is busy. I'm doing things. Oh, I'm doing things. I'm purposeful. No, maybe you're just busy. Maybe the enemy has got you believing that the more you do, the more, the better you are. And the reality is, God is a God of balance. If you're so busy, how are you doing anything well? Some of you need to say no to things so that you can give your best to things. Maybe you've never heard it that way. Maybe you've never said, oh, I should say no to things. Yes, you should. Maybe not to me, but to things. <laughs> I'm just playing. Because sometimes we say yes to everything and then how, do we do anything well? No, we just do things. You want to be the best at something? Sometimes you've got to say no to other things. Everybody remembers probably being a teenager at some point and going, I want to be a, a, or maybe not a teenager at that point. Hopefully you kind of got a better viewpoint. Little kid, let's say little kid. You know, I want to be an astronaut who plays football and is the president one day. You're like, get it. Not going to happen. Unless you're Ronald Reagan, like you're an actor, you're a president. Very few people, very few people. The reality is at some point we start to narrow down what we really want to do and who we really want to be. And the, the thing with life is that the enemy is going to get you to go, yeah, do a thousand things. And you're, he's going to suck at everything. He's going to be frustrated. And he's still going to go to church. And he's still going to love God. Man, life is not going to be fulfilling. And it's not going to be purposeful. Because they haven't learned how to say no. And they haven't learned how to, 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 to balance life like God would want them to do. We, we don't look at God's plan anymore. We're starting to look over here. Oh, something shiny. 
something destructive, something fun. Don't let the enemy distract you from moments of life-changing growth. And, and here's where, um, you know, I think it's important. Because anytime we press into God, guess what the enemy is going to do? He's going to get you distracted. Because the enemy knows that when you press into God, he, God is going to reveal himself. I don't care who you are. When you make a chosen decision, I am going to lean in to God's will in my life. I'm going I'm to start picking up his word and reading it for myself. I'm going to get in a devotional group. I'm going I'm to go into a life group at Freedom Church, and I'm going to learn something. And the enemy goes, oh, let's screw with them. I'm going to make their weeknights hell. So they go, oh, I'm too busy to go to life group today. I just need some me time. No, 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 no. You, you're, you're doing exactly what the enemy wants. He's isolating you from people that will lift you up, pray for you, build you up, encourage you, and send you on your way to be the giant that you're supposed to be. Next time you want to say no to a life group, remember that. <laughs> but it's truth. People, I know. That, you know, that little TikTok reel. Oh, no. What? People. That's how the enemy wants you to get you to believe. What if those people are the very people that will walk you through life's storm, but because you didn't do life with them, you don't have them when you need them. The enemy gets you distracted. The enemy tells you you don't need it. The enemy will hold you back from every life-changing moment that you ever needed because he doesn't want you to grow in your faith. He doesn't want you to get excited about who Jesus can be. He doesn't want you to become purposeful in the kingdom. Man, let them go to church all day long, but I don't want them being impactful to the world around them. I don't want them to know how powerful they could be. I don't want them to know that the very spirit that was in Jesus is inside of them right now. Let them go to church. Don't let them see their potential. That's what the enemy does. It doesn't stub your toe. Keeps you from your purpose. So how do we fix that? These are my last two thoughts. How do we fix this? I have a very, 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 very important word that I have pretty much lived my whole faith life off of. And it's point number three. Three. (laughs) Not three. It's intentional living. Intentional living. You have got to set priorities. You got to focus on purpose. You got to keep the main thing the main thing. Man, we get so sidetracked on so many stupid little things in the world, but specifically in the church. You want to know how church splits happen? Man, bring up something that has no eternal value and let the church fight it over. (laughs) Stupid stuff. Do we have elders or deacons? Elders, deacons, elders, deacons. Well, that's it. We're splitting the church. Elders on this side, deacons on that side. We don't have either. Thank God. <laughs> we have eventually a lead team. Nobody special, no titles. No, listen, you people that love God and want to see the church function the way it should. Don't think bigger than your head. I, listen, I, I am nobody. I just was dumb enough when God said, hey, you want to go do something? Yeah, let's go do something. Want to go start a church in Arkansas? (laughs) Sounds like fun. Will you go anywhere I go? Anywhere you want me to go, God. I'm just that simple. Like, if God said, like, hey, let's go to Africa. Oh, hey, what are we doing next week? 
I, I, I could care less about what I personally, listen, if it was about personal wants, I'd have packed this up a long time ago, hit the road like an RV wanderer, and I would have just seen the rest of the world. Just being honest. Because that sounds like a whole lot easygoing. Man, if, if, if I'm looking for just fun and simple, that's the way I'd go. But I don't want to get to my end of my life and go, well, what did I really do with this? Did, did I have purpose? Did I live intentionally? Did, did I set priorities and focus? And did I do all that I possibly could have done living for God in the way that he wanted me to so that at the end of my life, when I get to heaven, God goes, good job, Scott. And that's what I want to hear. The Bible says, well done, my faithful servant. That's what I want to hear. I don't want to hear, well, you barely got in here. <laughs> I want to hear, well done. Good and faithful servant. Don't let others dictate your life. Find and eliminate your distractions. Intentional living sets the parameters and runs with purpose. What does Psalms uh, 25.8 say? It says, he corrects the misdirected. Means that he refocuses. If he wants you to go a certain way, then he will grab you by the hand and go, nope, not that way, this way. Where are you going? Come back here. This way. Now you're going to get dizzy. Stop. See this, And this is the perfect example of what life looks like. While God is trying to direct us, we're over here doing the hokey pokey. You turn your life around, okay? And, and, and he focuses him and he goes, now go get it. You can sit down. He's like, I don't know what to do. But isn't that, this is, where am I going? Which way am I, what am I doing? I want to be an astronaut. I want to be a rock star. I want to be a lawyer. I don't want to be dizzy. <laughs> We've got to set some priorities in our life. It's not, listen, you don't have to wait till January 1st to, to, to make some new goals. Do it on July 10th. <laughs> Why not? Sit down and go, hey, what are my focuses in life? Who do I want to be? What are, what are my priorities? I want to intentionally live. Well, and to intentionally live, I have to intentionally choose. And I got to trust God that when I'm misdirected, he's going to send me and correct me and put me on the right direction. When you get off course, God's heart is to correct you and your course. There's a beautiful story. Most of you have probably heard this at one point or another if you've been in church long enough. But Luke 10, 39 through 42 tells the story of a distracted person. Jesus comes in and he's coming to the house of Mary and Martha and Lazarus. And he says, that, um, says this, her sister, Mary, sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he taught. But Martha was distracted by the big dinner she was preparing. She came to Jesus and said, Lord, doesn't it seem unfair to you that my sister just sits here while I do all the work? Tell her to come and help me. But the Lord said to her, my dear Martha, you are worried and upset over all these details. There is only one thing worth being concerned about. Mary has discovered it and it will not be taken away from her. Any worry words in the building? <laughs> Don't raise your hand. It's okay. Anxious people, overthinkers. Oh, what if I do this? And then people will think I meant this. But what if I, what if I, uh, listen, I know, like, I don't know because my brain doesn't operate that way. Two squirrels playing ping pong. I don't have a care in the world most of the time. <laughs> like, I, I live around people who have, like, worries and, like, they overthink everything. 
So I see the effects of you guys. And I'm not saying that jokingly, but because I know that it's a stress that is on people that are overthinkers and anxious people and, and worriers. And you think, well, listen, at the end of the day, did any of that change anything? The answer is no. And so you have got to, in everything inside of you, you have got to give it to Jesus at some point. And not just in word, oh yeah, well, Jesus, it's yours. No, 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 you've got to find whatever works for you. If that's every day getting up and, and, and spending five minutes in God and just saying, God, today is yours, today is yours, today is yours. It's not mine. God, help me to make the right decisions. I'm not going to overthink this. Bring it to God. Don't let it be your last resort. Let it be your first resort. Let it be the thing that you do. God, I know that if I get a hold of this, I'm going to mess some things up and I'm going to overthink this. And so God, I'm, I'm, I'm asking you, help me to intentionally choose life and choose you. Help me to not overthink things. Help me not to worry about it. Because that's what Martha was doing. Oh, Jesus. Mary, she's over here just sitting at your feet, worshiping you. I'm trying to make this elaborate, amazing meal. And God, Jesus is like, listen, we're all just going to poop it out. What's the big deal? Make your meal and then come sit at the foot of Jesus. Do your thing and then go sit at the foot of Jesus. Make a decision, then go sit it at the foot of Jesus. The Bible says it this way. Many are the plans that man makes, but the Lord directs our life. Many are the plans. Listen, you could have all the plans in the world and Jesus can go, <laughs> nope. You could have a thousand plans for, for the next five years and, and you could die tomorrow. Then what good are your plans? Nothing. So the Bible is very balanced about, listen, have a goal, have a dream, have a priority. But listen, if, it, if, if Jesus is not in the very center and middle and beginning of all of it, then you're, you're way off base. We overthink everything. We get to heaven, God's not going to be like, so, hey, did all that worrying get you here? No. The Son of God did. Being closer to him, having a purpose did. Intentionally, the art of busyness versus the art of presence of living. That's what Luke 10 is about. It's we're all going to be busy. We all have things that we got to do, but we have to learn to lay it at the feet of Jesus. <laughs> your job, your finances, your friendships, your relationships, everything. If you don't lay it at the feet of Jesus, if you try to hold it, guess what? You're going to lose it. You're going to lose it. Everything not laid at the foot of Jesus will find a, a, a holding in distraction. You have to be intentional when you walk in here on Sundays. I'll put it this way. Don't be distracted and don't be a distraction. Don't allow other people to steal the thing that God is trying to do in your life. And to that, other people don't be distractions. I used to tell teenagers this all the time, 13 years of doing youth ministry, that when you do even the slightest thing that draws the attention, if, if, if Sky's over here and, and, and she's, you know, just twiddling around doing her thing and, and she's just, you know, whatever, I'm just, you know, I'm not doing, she's not even making noise. She's just over here. Maybe, maybe she's, you know, I don't know, Amazoning or whatever, Facebooking, you know, I don't know. She, she's, she's holding a camera. She doesn't have a phone in her hand, I promise you. Um, but she's over here doing her thing. All it takes is for, for her the, the slightest distraction. And listen, we're all like squirrels. Ooh, something shiny over there. What's she looking at? What's she shopping for? And God speaks this amazing thing into Junior's life, but he's over here telling her, listen, we, we can shop on Amazon later. Matter of fact, I don't want you shopping on Amazon. You have a bad habit. I'm just playing. <laughs> There'll be counseling later. Um, 
And I'm, and, I, and I'm speaking into his life, and he's over here worrying about, you know, some sandals that she's buying on, 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 on Amazon. <laughs> she's like so embarrassed right now. <laughs> But, but, but here's the thing. Here's the reality. And this happens like all the time in churches. I'm guilty of it. My wife tells me when we go to conferences, put your freaking phone away. Now I take notes on my phone, so I can't hate you if you do that. Um, Because listen, if I took notes on, uh, if I wrote notes out, like some of you do, I wouldn't be able to read my own notes. I'd be like, I don't know what he was trying to tell me right there. So I take notes. I understand that I'm all for technology, but don't be a distraction. I love a little amen and a little talk back, but listen, don't, don't be, where do you want to go for lunch afterwards? Figure that out afterwards. Because you're not only distracting what God may speak to you, but you're distracting others. Get off my soapbox. And I don't think that we have a massively huge problem, but it's a good reminder. Because even one distraction is the enemy going... Ha. Intentional relationships, intentional work environments. Colossians 2.8. Beware that no one distracts you. Beware that no one distracts you or intimidates you in their attempt to lead you away from Christ's fullness by pretending to be full of wisdom when they're filled with endless arguments of human logic where they operate with humanistic and clouded judgment based on the mindset of this world system and not the anointed truth of anointed one. Don't let somebody else distract you with with lies and with with half-truths and with partial dreams and fulfillments. Listen, if it doesn't line up with the word of God, put it aside. Intentional living. And the last thought, you gotta prioritize. Anybody ever seen the meme that says, you know, uh, something, something to the, along the lines of, you know, uh, forget having my ducks in a row. Uh, I don't know where my ducks are, and, and they may be running around in a circle somewhere. You know, it's like, you know, we're, we're, <laughs> my ducks in a row, shoot, I don't even know if my ducks are in my pond right now. And, 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 and we don't prioritize. We're just like, okay, what, what, ooh, what do I got to get done today? You're just hoping that you make it through the day. Can I give you a little bit of advice spiritually from a spiritual mindset? Matthew 6.33. It was the very first scripture I ever memorized, but I'm gonna read it from the Passion Translation. So above all, when something says above all, it's kind of like, hey, listen, kind of important before you do other things. So above all, constantly seek God's kingdom and his righteousness. Then all these less important things will be given to you abundantly. Isn't it interesting that a lot of times we focus on all these little things and God's like, listen, if you put me first and you trust me with your life, you'll be shocked how many things just kind of fall in line. How many, how many things you just, you just naturally, spiritually are okay with that you get the wisdom of God when you put him first. But the problem is, is that when we're chasing after our little ducks that are wandering and we don't put Jesus first, then we're seeking natural wisdom and human wisdom. And we're like, oh, I don't understand why my finances are a mess. I don't understand why my boss hates my guts. They're chasing those ducks. God's going, wait a minute. If you just trust me and lean into my word a little bit, lean into those friends that are going to give you good advice, you may find that when you prioritize your life spiritually, all those little things that are less importance will be given to you. Identify your priorities. Homework. Identify your priorities. Jesus is a priority. My family is a priority. If you're a mom or a dad, if you're a husband or a wife, 
your family over everything. I don't care if you are offered a million dollars in this world a year. If your salary is a million dollars, not worth your family. Not worth it. And, and you can't even be like, well, it's easy for you to say. No, it's not. I, just, I don't make a lot. <laughs> Never have. Could have. I mean, if we really want to be honest and open, I could have. I could be making six, six figures right now. I was on that track. At this point in my life, I could be making close to $150,000 a year. That, that could have been my salary. I make less than 40. Just being honest. So it's not this, this caveat of like, well, it's easy for you to say. No, it's not. Because I thought that that was important, and I chased after it for a little bit. And I never saw my wife. I worked 14-hour days, and my wife, we worked opposite shifts, and I never saw my wife, and it sucked. It's not worth my life. So when I lined my life back up with Jesus, listen, I went from a base salary of 60-something thousand dollars a year at 21, just starting out in restaurant management. In a few years, I'd have been up close to 80000 within just the first few years. Our first full-time position in ministry, we went from $65,000 a year to $33,000. I took a 50% pay cut to go into ministry. I don't say that to go, wow, you're so spiritual and holy. No, I'm an idiot, but that's okay. Why? Because the priority in life was never about chasing the green stuff. Because it won't bring you the happiness that you think. It, it helps. <laughs> I enjoy living life. I enjoy having fun and, and being able to go out with my family. But I'm not going to do it to lose them. Identify your priorities. Identify the overwhelming but unnecessary distractions. Some of you, you understand your priorities, but you haven't eliminated your distractions. Netflixing, Disney Plusing, Amazon Priming, Huluing, whatever you do, it's okay. The problem is moderation. Just one more show. Anybody ever said that? Just one more show. <gasps> Just one more. Why do we do that? Sometimes it's good. Listen, God said rest. It's okay to like chill sometimes. But when it becomes your natural, when it becomes the habitual thing, you just got to stop and ask yourself, why am I doing this? What am I trying to distract myself from? Or what am I afraid of? We cannot live intentionally and purposefully when we are accidentally distracted by too many of the lesser things. When you give focus to your priorities, you give less room for distractions. Blake has no problem, no qualms talking that he goes to the gym how many days a week? Five days a week. I think about it five days a week. <laughs> I'm not actually to the going yet. I'm just at the, the thinking part. I'm, I'm more of the going to the fridge, but, you know, he's going. When he first started going, he, you know, he's quiet about it. He doesn't tell anybody. He's not braggadocious or anything. Pretty soon it just starts to show. Starts to kind of look like Captain America. Like, dang, you good looking boy. Right? Walks in, he's like, hey, what's up? I'm Blake. <laughs> he doesn't walk like that, but he should. Put his chest out. He's, 
Listen, how, how any of y'all keep coming, I don't understand, okay? Thank you for playing my games. The reality is, is that he doesn't have to go around going, I go to the gym five days a week. Hey, y'all, how you doing? Look at my abs. No, they just naturally show. They just naturally, he just go, walks around. You're like, dang, that man goes to the gym. Me, it's like that man goes to the donut shop. I get it. <laughs> Listen, what you eat will show out. Ah, oh, y'all didn't catch that. What you eat will show out. See, you know that he's living a life that is, that is prioritizing his body and working out and being fit. And the problem is, is that when we live our lives in a spiritual lineup, what we eat will show out. How you speak, how you live, how you act, how you interact with people, whether you have a temper from zero to 100, all of that stuff. Listen, you, well, that's just who I am, bull. That's who you are because you haven't allowed Jesus to overcome it. Every flaw that you have can be overcome by who Jesus is in you. Every single one of them. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. You could argue to the death of me. Jesus can change all the things that you don't like about you, all the things that were never designed to be who you are, all the things that were never intentionally designed to be your person. Jesus can overcome it. But instead, it's way far easier to just complain and to allow the distraction to be there than to fix it. Because five days at a gym sounds like torture to me. And for some of you, five days with Jesus at the beginning sounds like torture to you. I would never say that, Pastor. That's horrible to say. How many fell asleep reading their Bible? <laughs> How many fell asleep? How many have fell asleep praying? I did that this morning. <laughs> I was like, got to get up, got to get in the shower. Jesus, I'm just praying for our... Worst thing you can do is pray while your, your head's on a pillow. It will put you to sleep. When you prioritize, you say, okay, I'm going to get up, right? Because you can't work out in your bed. Well, it's easy. <laughs> Sinners. Um, <laughs> bad pastor. Uh, listen, can't lift weights. Laying down, just, oh, Jesus, oh, this, oh look at me working out. No, you got to get up. You got to get dressed. Got to drink your water and you got to go to the gym. Why do we think that we can spiritually work out like this? <clears throat> Jesus, I love you so much. God, I thank you for today. And half of you do this, I promise you. You get startled and you start praying like you're in tongues. Oh, Jesus, thank you for this peace that you've given me. <laughs> Why? Because we have not set priority to get up and spend time with Jesus. We just fit him in where we can. Oh, I want to get in my word. Then stop reading it when you're tired. <laughs> Stop reading it when you're not focused on him. Get off my soapbox. Miss Hannah. I'm going to end with, we got to daily wake up and give God the focus, the priorities, and our purpose. I love Colossians 3.2. Listen, if you, can, if you can start your day Colossians 3.2, I think you start your day off in the best way for, you can. Colossians 3.2, think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth.
If you wake up every morning stressed out because of your to-do list, change what your focus is in the morning. You parents, oh man, it's going to get really loud in my house pretty soon. Let the chaos begin. I'm thankful that when I get up, most kids are still sleeping in my house. But I know my wife has to wake up to it. And if she focuses on the noise and the stupid dog that we have right now, I love him to death, but he's, ugh. (laughs) Before your feet hit the ground, you're like, oh man, I'm already tired. I can't, I can't imagine the, the, the overwhelming feeling of going, do, is there even a purpose to today other than to chasing these crazies around and going, oh God, we got to do it all again tomorrow and then tomorrow after that. What if, what if before your feet hit the ground, the, the priority, listen, they're not going to change. They're going to be who they are. They're going to run around and be crazy. Kids are kids. Dogs are dogs. Life is life. Perspective doesn't change the circumstance. It changes our attitude. So when I prioritize Jesus, Jesus, help me to have a moment where I'm able to pour into my kids today. And they may not get it today. And they may not get it tomorrow. But God, I pray that at some point, I'm just, these little truths that I speak into my kids, they're going to get it eventually. The Bible says, train up a child in the way they should go and they will never depart. It doesn't mean they won't make bad decisions. It doesn't mean that they won't completely curse God and walk away from it. It means that the truth will always be there haunting them. They will know the truth until they choose it. So as parents, we we invest and we pour, and it's like the hardest job in the world. But let me tell you something. Don't just go at it like hoping to hit a dart in a dark room. Wake up in attention. I'm going to, listen, it may kill me, but to the death of me, I'm going to show them Jesus at some point today. I'm going to love them like Jesus. The greatest purpose. Listen, if you're a parent in this room, I want you to hear this right now because I think sometimes the biggest lie, the biggest distraction the enemy gets is go, you have no purpose because you're, you're, just, you're just like a crazy parent right now. Listen, your greatest purpose is being a crazy parent right now. That's it. What greater way to change the world than to, to raise up children that will know Jesus and change the world around them? if your house is messy, if your kids know they're, they're loved. Who cares if you don't have it all together? We, we got, there's no comparison game here. Stop looking at Instagram and Facebook and all your friends that you think that they're so much better. Oh God, they just know how to raise kids better. Listen, me and Stephanie, we've been in that boat. Where we look at Instagram and we go, well, we suck. I'm ready to call CPS on myself. Please come get these kids. I am obviously not fit for this. Until you stop focusing on what the world and the distractions is and you go, God gave me and purposed me these kids and I'm going to do everything I can to show them Jesus and love them even in my crazy times. When you go to work, are you intentional or are you just checking a box? Got to get through the day. Why? God has given you this day. Man, make it the best day you possibly can. Change somebody's life. Do something so well that your bosses can't help but to look at you and go, what the heck? What are you on, Jesus? You're in school, man. You intentionally at school. 
got to prioritize and put Jesus in the middle of it all. Think about the things of heaven, not the things of this earth. Is what I'm doing serving a purpose? What a great question. Is what I'm doing serving a purpose? Let's, 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 let's taint that a little bit. We are not going to allow the distractions most of the time in our way. We're all going to have distractions in our life where we fail. The goal is not perfection. The goal is authentic faith following. I'm going to love Jesus with everything I can. I want to pray for you this morning. I want to pray that we, we prioritize, that we are purposeful. And we're not going to let the distractions in our life take hold. We're not going to be a distraction and we're not going to get distracted by what the enemy would have us do. I had this thought all week. That the best, the, 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 the place where the enemy would like to distract you most is right here, right now. Get you to think about your to-do list, your shopping list, the things you haven't done, all these things to, to get you off focus of what Jesus is speaking to you. And I'm telling you, the biggest thing you can do is tell the enemy to shut up and quiet your voice to the word of God. Will you pray with me, Jesus? I pray for clarity of heart and mind. God, I pray that, that our peace doesn't come from trying to chase what this world has for us. Our peace comes from understanding that when we are focused on eternal value while living here on earth, that our priorities line up with you. That Matthew 6, that I would seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these little important things are gonna line up because I'm trusting Jesus with it. I'm not gonna let the enemy distract me. I'm not going to let the enemy speak lies to me or death to me or hurtful things to me. I'm not going to allow him to, to get me sidetracked off of the very thing, my life, which you have given me a focus and my focus is centered on you. The best version of me, who I am at my job, who I am with my family, who I am at Walmart, God, is all dependent upon who I am in you. And so, Jesus, I pray that over us, that, God, that, that we would center ourselves not on, on what makes us feel good, not on what uh, we think could work well, not on finances or, or, or looking a certain way or being a certain way, but, God, our, we would focus ourselves on hearing your word, knowing your truth, and living it out. God, help us not to get sidetracked to the big things in our life, God, I pray that you would give us peace to follow your will and that we would wake up every morning and we would say, God, prioritize my day. Let me lean in and trust into you. Father, we love you. We thank you. In Jesus' name we pray.